Hey everybody, this is part two of a two-part series. If you missed last week's, you might want to go back and catch it before you listen to this one. Welcome to Dicey Stuff, the podcast about life, because, well, the dicey stuff is the realest stuff of our lives. Come along as Lois examines living as a Christian woman in this modern age. Time to roll. You asked if there was anything else I wanted to discuss, and I had a couple of rabbit trails. Oh, I was going to go back to the generosity. So a lot of times we read through the Bible and we hear the story of the widow's might, and we read verses like Deuteronomy that say, you shall not harden your heart against your poor brother, but you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for his need. There are so many verses in the Bible that talk about being generous. And sometimes it's hard to reconcile that, or I, at least in the past, in my story, have found it hard to reconcile. How do I save for the future? How do I build an emergency fund? What is the balance between spending money on my own family versus being generous? How do I build this buffer for myself? If I know of somebody in need, how do I not just give all of my money to that? Mm -hmm. I feel that that comes back to the whole stewardship aspect. Jesus, when he's talking to his disciples, says, you will have the poor with you always. He didn't give to everybody. He only gave when he was told to by his father. He -hmm. didn't heal everybody. He only healed when he was told to by his father. Mm -hmm. And I think, again, the stewardship with us I can think of times in my life when I've been sitting in church and the offering plate comes by and I feel guilty for not being able to put more into it, or I put more into it and then feel guilty for not taking care of my family. Mm -hmm. So I think the generosity aspect, the Bible says, if you do not take care of your own household first, you are worse than an unbeliever. Mm -hmm. That's pretty strict. And one of the ways we take care of our own household is to steward our resources well and to be diligent and to follow the proverbs that say in the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil there were times in the bible where the israelites were living day by day on mm-hmm. manna and there are stories in the bible where the lord told joseph to store up 7 years worth of food for the mm-hmm. famine so it comes down to heart motive it comes down to stewardship in my own story My husband and I have been in situations where we had $10 to our name and were in a foreign country and had no way to get home. And Mm -hmm. we are relying completely on the Lord to provide even the most basic things for us. We've had other seasons of our life, like now where we have, you know, a strong emergency fund in place and we have no debt and we are being good stewards of our money to every degree that we know how to do. Mm -hmm. And how much money you have does not reflect your level of holiness, does not reflect your level of discipleship. I think there were times in my life where I felt like I needed to be giving everything away and like it might be a little bit sinful to spend money on myself or to be saving up money for my future Mm -hmm. when I see needs all around me that need to be addressed. Mm -hmm. But that's not, we only have a small sphere of influence. Jesus only had 12 disciples. Mm -hmm. He had crowds of people following him. And I think 
we have to learn to stay in our lane with our finances as far as taking care of our own family, taking care of our own household, and balancing that with being generous to whatever level the Lord's calling you to. Yeah, that's wise. Because you can take that both ways to such extremes where you're giving away the food out of your children's mouths. Right. Or you see someone starving to death on the street and you have the funds to help them and you don't because, well, I don't know, you want a new pair of shoes or something, you know? Right. The most wholesome remedy I have found for that, there's the verse that says, there's wisdom in the counsel of many. What's that Mm -hmm. Bible verse? It's easy to get lost in our own heads of what's Mm -hmm. important. Mm -hmm. And I think coming back to the whole spouses being on the same team, you balance each other with what your priorities are. You balance each other with where to be generous and where to save for your own family. And if you're working together, you know, teamwork makes the dream work. That cliche Mm -hmm. is very Mm -hmm. true. It helps balance. It helps give you somebody to bounce ideas off of. I believe when it comes to personal finance, if you're single, it's important to have somebody that you can talk it through with, somebody that you can be accountable to, mm-hmm. somebody that's outside of your own head that you respect and that you view as wise to just get an outside viewpoint. Right. That's really good. Somebody that you can trust. Yes. Because again, personal finance is so personal. It's not something that we talk about in polite society very much. It's not like you're going to sit down at a dinner party and discuss your budget in casual conversation with the guy next door. That's something that it's so, you know, if we have money, we don't want to talk about it because we don't want other people telling us what to do with it. And if we don't have money, we don't want to talk about it because we feel like we're failing in taking Mm -hmm. care of things. Mm -hmm. So it becomes this very controversial, very dicey stuff. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. It becomes very dicey stuff. Because you can be on either end of the spectrum. You can be walking into church so poor that you feel like people around you should be helping you out. Or you could be walking into church, getting out of your nice car, feeling a little guilty. Like, is it okay for me to own this nice of a vehicle? Right. It's something that is so ingrained in us. There are so many messages from childhood, from the minute we can talk and hear and understand about money, about where you should spend it, how you should spend it, how much of it you should have, how much of it you shouldn't have, whether Mm -hmm. or not it's good to have money, whether or not it's holy to have money. And everybody has an opinion. If you do open your mouth about finances, everybody's happy to give you their opinion (laughs) about it. There are so many opinions about it. It's hard to know where to trust and who to believe. Again, which is why it has become such a passion of mine to go back to what the Bible says about it. Because God is the ultimate authority in every aspect of our lives, finances included. Right, exactly. Alice, can you share some of your personal story? Yes, I can. So when I was starting out my life singly, I went to work on a cruise ship. And for the first time in my life, I was making more money than I knew what to do with. And I didn't know what to do with it. So I would always pay my bills first, but then I would just take vacations or if I saw something I wanted, I would buy it. And in the instant gratification culture that we live in, that's fun and that's nice. And that's the way to be happy and live your life. But I hit a point where it's very cliche to say, but money doesn't buy happiness. 
Money can buy a lot of things that contribute to happiness, but it cannot buy happiness. And so I hit a point where I wanted to take a mission trip that felt like something that was bigger than myself, something that stirred my heart. And when it came financially, I didn't have the funds to do that. So I actually ended up borrowing my way into serving God, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which sounds kind of funny, but I think God laughs with us at a lot of our struggles. And at that time, my now husband, we were not dating. We were only friends, but he actually did the same mission trip that I did. From a financial standpoint, he was in a very different position. He came from a very long-term thinking background. And so he had the money to do the mission trip and was not indebted like I was. So we went and we spent time in England and we spent time in Africa. And it absolutely changed a lot of my thinking about life in general. But fast forward from that, we came back. And within about a year of that time, we got married. So my husband was completely debt-free with an emergency fund financially at that time. I came into the marriage with a car loan and some personal debt. I came into the marriage with a mentality of once you've paid your bills and done the things you need to, then the rest of the money is to play with. Mm -hmm. He came into our marriage with the mentality that money is a tool to be used for daily life and for long-term goals, but it's important to be used wisely and stewarded wisely. And so that created some tension early on in our marriage as you can uh as you can expect i think in a lot of couples there's somebody who's like a spontaneous spender and there's somebody who is a more frugal saver there's somebody who wants the experiences right now and there's somebody who has a security gland that starts to Uh, get blamed (laughs) if there's not money in the bank account. Right. That led to a lot of discussions for us. Mm -hmm. I am the free-spirited, spontaneous person that didn't have a plan. But over the years, I have found freedom in having a goal with our finances, in being on the same page. So we went into a year of missions right after we got married. And it was a wonderful, it's a wonderful way to start a marriage because it is hard to not work things out if you are surrounded and immersed (laughs) in that sort of atmosphere. And your whole purpose of being there is focusing on the Bible, is focusing on serving. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You learn to serve each other when you're in a situation when you're living in community and your focus is serving, you learn to serve each other and you learn to communicate and you learn to work together. So I'm so thankful that we had a year early on in our marriage where we were doing something bigger than ourselves and we were focused on something bigger than ourselves. But fast forward to coming home, we came home back into quote unquote normal life and we had very little money to our name. We didn't have a place to stay. We didn't have a plan for our future. Neither one of us had a job. And what do you do with that? Mm-hmm. You can't live on your sister's couch forever. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> You have to make a plan and pull up your bootstraps. So we ended up 
deciding that John should go to college at that time. And so we worked, I worked two jobs. He worked a full-time job and went to college. And we heard this crazy guy called Dave Ramsey, who taught a biblical view on finance. And we decided to follow those principles. So we worked our tails off to Mm -hmm. put John through college Mm debt-free. He went through a two-year program and became an aviation mechanic. And now he, he has worked on helicopters ever since. And we always said that it was a big priority to us for me to be able to stay home with children especially Mm -hmm. when they were young and when they were little. So we knew that being a one income family, that's getting harder and harder in our culture to do. And we knew that the only way we would do that and feel good about it was to have control of our finances. So we worked our tails off. We put him through college and then, you know, the Lord blessed us with children at that point. Yeah. And I will just say to any parent of small children, (laughs) It's hard and it's messy and you're struggling just to get up in the morning and make sure there's food on the dinner table. The last thing you want to do is to sit down and do a budget, mm-hmm. but it will help you. Right. <laughs> I was nine months pregnant with our first child and we uprooted ourselves from all of our family and moved to Southern Oregon for a job opportunity. And That was very hard at the time, but we knew it was the right thing. We knew it was the right next step for us. So it wasn't hard in that regard. It was just hard to be nine months pregnant in a new place. I didn't have a doctor. I didn't have family. Mm -hmm. So that side of it was difficult, but it was very worth it in the long run. It was where the Lord put us for a Mm -hmm. reason. And it was actually in Southern Oregon that we started to really, we bought our first house while we were there. And anybody who has gone into home ownership knows that that will bring up some serious uh, financial conversations in your household. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shoot, the roof is leaking. (laughs) What do we do? Do you know how expensive a new roof is? So John was working full time and overtime. His job in our family at that time was to bring in the money, which made my job to steward it as diligently and as well as I could. So that really gave me the desire to delve into how to steward our money well, how to steward our money efficiently. And it taught me a lot. I went through all sorts of phases. I went through extreme couponing and I went through you know, growing all of our own food from home. And I went through cloth diapers and I went through all the way, you know, lots of various ways to Mm -hmm. to save money. And really all of those things are well and good in and of themselves. But when it comes to meeting your family's goals and feeling like you're taking care of your family with the resources you have as efficiently as you can, the number one way to do that is simply to have a plan. Mm Mm-hmm. So from Southern Oregon, we lived there for about six years. And then we found this off-grid house way up in Northern Idaho. And John was currently working at a job that gave him the freedom to live anywhere he wanted to. Mm -hmm. So we shifted gears at that point and we moved up to Northern Idaho into an off-grid house. So it's all solar panels and backup generators and battery banks and very out of my league in the beginning. 
I did not know what I was getting into. My husband would talk very excitedly about alternative energy. And I would say that sounds really great and cool. And then my eyes would glaze over. And that's about all I understood. Right. Big learning curve. So we moved into this place and that brought, at that time, we kind of, uh, we fell off the whole budgeting idea for probably about a year. Right. Because we were in a new place. We had a fixer upper of a house with a whole new setup and you just kind of, you just kind of get through the month. You don't know what your bills are. Everything's changed. You're just kind of throwing money at what you need to throw money right, at and hope right. there's left at the end. The only thing that brought us through that was the fact that we had built up an emergency fund before we moved here. And it mm-hmm. took us about a year because we weren't budgeting consistently. We didn't have a clear, consistent plan with our money. It took about a year and we realized we were going backwards. We were on a sinking ship. There were mm-hmm. holes in the ship and we were going down if we didn't change something. Mm-hmm. At that point, we kind of reinvigorated our whole personal finance journey. And we mm-hmm. we got motivated again because we realized that we were going into the red every month. Because you had to. Because we had to. Yeah. But for us, we've never used credit cards we don't do debt. So to find out you're going in the red every month is unacceptable. So we got back on a budget and we got back on top of making a plan and making a goal. And I don't buy into prosperity gospel. I don't think you can buy your way to wealth. You know, I don't think that if mm-hmm. you give to God, that it means he will put a Mercedes in your driveway. Right. But I do feel that there is something to the principle of when you are doing your best, God loves to help out. God loves to boost. And that's simply an Alicism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's backed up in scripture, but that's, yeah. that's simply an Alicism. Yeah. But I do, I feel like when we got back on track financially, the Lord blessed that. And yeah. we made leaps and bounds to get back to a point where now, we're at a point where we have absolutely no debt. Our mortgage is completely paid off. So our house is debt-free. And I really believe the proverb that says the borrower is slave to the lender mm-hmm. and that there are proverbs that link debt with fools. Mm-hmm. And in our culture today, it's very strange to not use a credit card. It's very strange to not use debt, but I have found it so very freeing to know that what we have gets to go where we decide that it needs to go at the end of the month instead of doling it out to other people who could call our note. Right. There is an intense piece that comes with knowing that you're not reliant on somebody else. If you lose all of your income tomorrow, there's not going to be creditors knocking on your door, taking what food you have out of your children's mouth to pay your old debts with. Right. So I'm very, I think the Bible is very anti-debt. Peace and finances are not often linked in our culture today. We have a culture of debt. We have a culture of paycheck to paycheck. And to not live that way makes you weird. It makes you stand out. It makes you strange. But I believe that it is vitally important for us to start being weird, for us to start looking at biblical principles for how we live, because there's a weight off your shoulders that you don't know you're carrying until you get out from under debt and mm-hmm. you suddenly know that if you lose all of your income tomorrow there are not going to be creditors knocking on your door 
trying to take what little money you have to feed your children to pay an old debt. Mm -hmm. When you owe other people, you become a slave. The borrower is a slave to the lender. You don't realize the weight that that brings until you don't have it. That's something that we've discovered in our journey over time. Mm -hmm. You made this Alicism. (laughs) And I thought there was a verse. It was so fitting. And I don't remember which one it was. I thought it was a proverb, but. There's the Proverbs 22.9 that says the generous will themselves be blessed. Yeah. And that might have been the one. When you made your Ellicism, it just popped into my head. Yes. And I guess that would kind of tie into God loves a cheerful giver. That's a little more to do with giving, but you can't give it if you don't have it to give. Yeah. And I think the reason that this has become so important to me is just that. I want to be able to give. God gave everything to me. Mm -hmm. Every blessing in my life. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He could take anything from me at any point, And that does not change his worthiness of worship and of service and of my love and my devotion. Mm-hmm. And the financial aspect is so important to me just because for many years in my life, it was compartmentalized as like a worldly thing that was different from my spiritual walk. Mm -hmm. That's not as it should be. It's integral in our spiritual walk Mm -hmm. to be responsible with our finances because we are stewards for the Lord. Right. Those two items. It's like being a good Christian on Sunday and being a terrible lying, cheating, stealing Right. On Monday through Saturday. Right. Yes. And I felt like there were many years of my life where, I mean, yeah, my money's God's, but it didn't even occur to me to ask him what to do with it or to Mm -hmm. look in the Bible for what to do with it. Mm -hmm. You know, that's kind of like worldly stuff. Money's just something we use to get by day to day. Here. Totally separate from my spiritual walk. Right. But it's not. Yeah. You mentioned, Alice, about your sinking ship and that your ship was leaking and you were going into the red. And I found a quote from Benjamin Franklin that says, and I think this is really good advice, beware of little expenses. A small leak will sink a great ship. We can trickle away our money on Starbucks and on frivolous, a candy bar every day after work and a bag of chips at lunch from the vending machine. And we won't realize it. And we didn't go into it a lot here, but think about it. Think about your little expenses. That is not to say that you can't have a Starbucks or that you can't have a candy bar at lunch, but pay attention. I just love that quote because that is what breaks most people's budgets and most people's finances. It's not typically the big items. The big items make you pull together and figure it out and learn how to cover it. It's the little expenses that 
oh, it was only two bucks. Oh, it was only three bucks. Oh, it was only four bucks. And then at the end of the month, you have spent hundreds of dollars on little expenses that you don't even remember. So I love that quote. Yeah, that's great. I had to look something up because we use a phrase in the United States about nickel and diming. Yes. And that is exactly what that quote is. Yes. It's small in importance, nickel, dime. We just throw those around like nothing. Yep. But we worry about the dollars, the $5, the 10, the 20, the 100. But you can nickel and dime yourself to death. That was going to be my DSPS. I was like, what does nickel and dime mean? (laughs) (laughs) Most people, if they actually start to do a budget, will feel like they got a raise because they just don't realize how much they were spending on eating out or on things that are not important to them, but are convenient to them. Yes. And all that takes is intentionality to change. There are people who are simply, their income is simply small enough that they're very tight on their budget. But for most people, if you simply get intentional with your money, you will feel like you have received a raise. Mm-hmm. That makes good sense. Oh, I didn't even get into the parable about the servants entrusted with money. In Matthew 25, 14 through 30 is the parable of the talents. That's not a parable that I have heard preached on nearly as often as other parables. <laughs> okay. Because it gets a little uncomfortable where, you know, the master of the house gives three servants three different amounts of money and he leaves. And they are to utilize that money to make more money for him. Mm -hmm. Now, I've heard that parable spoken on in simply using our gifts and using our talents. But it is, our money is part of that as well. Mm -hmm. I'd have to read the parable again. But you know the parable I'm talking about. Yes, yes. Bring it on. The master of the house gives three servants, different amounts of money. The first servant takes the amount that was given to him and makes that amount over again. Mm -hmm. The second servant takes the lesser amount given to him and makes that amount over again. The third servant takes the small amount given to him and buries it in the ground. And when the master comes back, he praises the first servant for taking the money and doubling the money. He praises the second servant for taking the money and doubling the money. And he does not praise the third servant who didn't do anything with it. Yeah, He says, you should have at least put it in the bank where it would gain interest. Right. Isn't that interesting? So the parable can be used for all aspects of our life, but he uses money as his illustration. And I think he does that on purpose, which insinuates that we should be making our money work for him. We should be making our talents work for him. He does not want us to bury our money in a coffee can under a mattress. He says, at least put it in the bank where it would have earned me interest. Right. I find that interesting. (laughs) See what I did there? Interesting. (laughs) 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 But the servant that doesn't invest the money 
gets what little he was given taken away and given to the servant who did well in his business dealings. Right. That's like you said, we look at that and we can't really reconcile that with our normal, how we've lived. How we view money. It's interesting because Jewish culture does not have the same view of money. I am currently reading a book by a Jewish rabbi and the Jewish people in in America, I probably will get my numbers wrong, but I think they only make up about 3% of the American population, but they make up a very high percentage of the American wealthy Mm -hmm. because the Jewish culture teaches that making money is honorable and godly and good. And creating wealth and building wealth is honorable and godly and good. Mm -hmm. And it's very hard to be successful in money and business if you have this nagging feeling in the background that you don't know if this is a holy thing to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But you can do good things with it then. Yes. If you have it. You know, you think about all of, not all, many of the hospitals that have been started. And the orphanages that have been started, the charities, they are started most of the time by some wealthy family. Yes. Giving generously. Right. Then you go back to the parable of the widow's mite, where Jesus sits down across from the alms box and the widow comes up and she puts in her two mites. And Mm -hmm. he says that she gave everything. What she gave is worth more than all who have come before. In the verses right before that, The context, he said, they devour widows' houses. There's the verses where Jesus is saying, don't be like the Pharisees. They devour widows' houses. And then he goes into, there's the widow putting her last mites into the alms box. We always take that as give everything you have, or at least Mm -hmm. I have always taken that Mm -hmm. as give everything you have. But in context, it's more, he's like illustrating the fact that the Pharisees have put her in that position where she mm-hmm. is so poor that when she gives, she's giving everything that she has, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is a slightly different paradigm on the whole parable right. Right. than I've ever been taught. Right. Exactly. Another verse. Yes. In Proverbs 22, 26, and 27, it says, do not be one of those who shakes hands in pledge, one of those who is a surety for debt. To give pledges is to put up security for debt. Yeah, don't go there. Yeah. That will not get you where you want to go. Debt is not your friend. No. You're not really an older woman, Alice, because, you know, you're always going to be that cute little baby that you were when I got married. But you're older than some, my daughters, your nieces. My podcast started on the principle of Titus 2. So do you have any advice, practical ways to do that? It can be regarding finance. It can be regarding anything else. What are your wise words as an older woman to a younger woman? Uh, Ask for help and know that you're not screwing it up as badly as you think you are. I can't think of how many times in our early married life or in my early mothering life, because that's something I can speak to as coming from older. I felt like I was doing it wrong. I can't count how many times I would call my mom or my siblings just for like, how do you make bread? 
my bread isn't rising. You know, this, this child won't stop crying and I'm not sure what I'm doing wrong. I would say to like the young married, just starting a family, you're doing better than you think you are. That's what I needed to be told yes. when I was in that yes. very sleep deprived, something like personal finance would come up and I would be feeling so it's, it's just one more thing to overwhelm me. I'm, yeah. I'm already buried here yeah. in what I have to handle. Yeah. That's not something I have to handle. I can put it off for a few days exactly. or weeks or months or years. Yes. And baby steps in all of the goals you want to achieve would be my number one advice because I've always been kind of an all or nothing person. Like if I'm going to take on a project, I want to be able to take it on and rock at it, get it all done. And you can't do that with a lot of things in life. You can't do that with your finances. It's not just one slam dunk, uh, won the lottery. Mm-hmm. For the vast majority of us, it mm-hmm. is baby steps. It is mm-hmm. consistency over time. Mm-hmm. And that's any goal you want to achieve is mm-hmm. just take I think when you very first started this podcast, you said, you know, a, a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Yeah. Baby steps are powerful. Mm-hmm. Small steps in the right direction lead to big progress. Exactly. That's very good advice. So I appreciate that. I usually ask if I remember, I try to remember to ask people who are joining me on the podcast, what is your favorite book of the Bible? That very much changes for every season I'm in. But James, I love the book of James. That's Mm -hmm. one I always come back to. I love the story of Esther. That's one I always come back to. Mm -hmm. So in James, do you have a favorite verse? I think I've said it probably three times on the podcast already. (laughs) James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow to change. Yeah, that's so good. So I want to share also a scripture that as we were talking about doing this podcast before we ever did it, you know, the idea of money being used in the scripture so much and riches and treasure and all these words, I don't know, it just popped into my head, these verses, and I want to share them with you. And with everyone who's listening, this piece of advice from the Apostle Paul to Timothy. Timothy is his son in the faith. This is 1 Timothy chapter 6, 17 through 21. And listen as I read about the riches and the treasure and the generosity. All of these just popped out at me. As for the rich in this present age, Charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. 
for by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. Grace be with you. I love that. The words in that, there's so many references to the riches, the uncertainty of the riches in this age, and that God richly provides this storing up treasure. It's like, so it was just like over and over and over of these words just piling up on each other. So beautiful. Very. And you notice it doesn't say as for the rich of this present age, tell them to sell all of their possessions. Right. It simply gives them the admonition not to trust in their riches. Exactly. Not a love for the money. Do good with it. Yes. To be rich in good works. Generous, ready to share. Yeah, I love that. Yep. And that is storing up treasure that will last beyond this present age. Yes. No wealth will go to heaven with you. Only the eternal wealth of Christ Jesus. Right. Like you said before, Job, naked I came in, naked I'm going to leave. Yes. (laughs) And in all of this, we say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Absolutely. So this was wonderful. Thank you so much. This was so fun. Thank you for having me. It was fun. (laughs) Good. I hope some things I said made sense. They will. I'm really excited to like mess with it. Perfect. Oh, it'll be good. (laughs) There's a lot of good pieces in there. And that's all you need to build something really cool is some good pieces. (laughs) Perfect. Cool. You take the jigsaw pieces. I'll see the finished puzzle when you send it to me. (laughs) Perfect. Well, thank you, Alice, for coming on the podcast. We do need to do another one at some point um, (laughs) about off-grid living because that would be super cool. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. I really appreciate you sharing your story. (laughs) And I love this. It's been an interesting discussion and I might be older than you, but I learned some things. So that's good. (laughs) Well, yay. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Dicey Stuff. I appreciate all of you. If you have not joined our Facebook group, look us up, Dicey Stuff, the podcast, and give me your feedback. I would appreciate it. If you have an interesting comment or point that you have noticed in your life that you would like to share about finance, I would really like to hear it. Thank you all for listening. God's peace be with you. Oh, hey, DSPS. Paul writes to the Philippians in chapter four, starting in verse 10. And he says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And then skipping down to verse 19. And my God 
will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Cool. All right. Is there anything else you're thinking of? I don't think so. I've <laughs> We've been talking for a long time. I've talked that's, your ear off. <laughs> no, that's wonderful. This has been so good. <laughs> Please feel free to edit, change, delete. You will oh, yeah. not hurt my feelings. I am hoping that it's recorded well and yeah. come through. And if it's not, I'm going to cry because we're going to have to, I don't know, start over. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm. If we need to start over, we can start over. It'll be a yeah. whole different conversation that time because yeah. my mind works the same way twice. I know. I know. <laughs> Me too. And that's why I'm like, there's so many riches in here. I hope they're <laughs> still here when it processes or whatever it has to do. Hey, All say right. hi to John and the kids. Will do. Take care. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Dicey Stuff, the podcast where Lois talks about this big dicey adventure called life. You're welcome to send your comments and feedback to DiceyStuffPodcast at gmail.com. Please, if you would, subscribe and share. Until next time, roll on, friends. <laughs>